Hello, and welcome to another episode of Areas of Interest. This is the podcast about undergraduate stories. I'm your host, Ariel. Today, we're going to talk about kinesiology, which is a word that I have a hard time saying, and up until today's guest was able to correct me in the correct way of saying it. So I do apologize if I kind of go back and forth between it. It always gives me a little bit of a pause when I try to say it. But today's episode is going to be super interesting. And Coach Big Toe, yes, that is his name that he goes by. Coach Big Toe has so much information that he was able to share with me and also about his experience too. He has a lot of skills pertaining to just life in general, how to navigate college. And I just thought that this interview was really helpful to anyone who's trying to get themselves motivated to go back to college or who may be uncertain about where to start. So without further ado, here is today's guest. You can find him on TikTok. You can find him on Instagram. I will link those in the show notes so you can find those there. And I hope you enjoy today's guest just as much as I enjoyed talking to him. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to get into my my area of interest. And it's it's crazy to look back on the journey that's led me to now. And I honestly couldn't make it up if I've tried. And I, I love sharing some of the stories that I, I have lined up. But my uh, my podcast is called The Talking Shop Podcast. And the, the tagline is sharing stories, lessons, and experiences in sports performance and professional development. So any professional, mainly performance coaches, but I've had athletes, I've had athletic trainers, I've had people who are just business entrepreneurs, but I'm just obsessed with stories and just the concept of story in general. So I, I would say it's it's the X's and O's that bring us together, like how to get athletes bigger, faster, stronger, and how to win more games and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, when it's time to like reflect and share stories and memories, like it's really not about the X's and O's. So, and also just creating content about X's and O's and how to make someone squat go up and stuff like that is just so overdone in my opinion. So trying to fill a, a hole, I think there is, and that uh, gets gets my interest going as well. So all about the stories that make a bunch of uh, professionals in sports, their journey, what it is. And do you host it by yourself or do you have co-hosts? Do you have guests on? Yes. So uh, I do not have a co-host. It's just me. I would say it's probably roughly about half solo, half interview. I'm up to a hundred and 35, I want to say. And it definitely ebbs and flows. Um, at one point, I, I was pretty solid about um, doing one a week. But as I call it my productive hobby, I give myself some grace when life gets crazy or I don't have an idea for a solo or all of the people I ask to be my guests just have their lives to live. Um, so more or less weekly and up to one thirty, and it's just me. Wow. So you've been doing it for about two years now. Is is that kind yeah, of... Yeah, good guess. July 20... Oh, three years? Yeah, it would be about three years then. Yeah, there's... Yeah, uh... July 2019. Yeah. Wow. That is such a long time and you're still doing it. That's really great. I, you must have such a fun time doing it because... I got to say, putting together a podcast is a lot of work. And sometimes with the editing and everything that goes into it, it kind of bogs you down. But it seems like you're so passionate about this um, this podcast. And the and not only that, but just the, the community involved with it. Um, you know, we'll get into it in a second. But, you know, you got your undergraduate degree and you're doing, you know, post-undergraduate work in the field. So it just seems like you breathe, eat, sleep, uh, all of this. <laughs> You just can't. Yes, which is that, <laughs> which is definitely a, a pro, but can also be a con. Like sometimes, honestly, I, I tell myself, like, could I just care less, or could I just turn it off, or like, 
like literally a uh, funny story with my my old roommate uh, when I was getting my master's, I was just watching like a nutrition e Mike Isertel of RP Strength. For those of you who know who he is, I just like his delivery style and his stuff is very um, digestible, pun intended. Just learning more about the kind of stuff. And my roommate was like, "Don't you watch anything for fun?" As this was just as I was like eating dinner, I just I just put it on the TV, and I was like, "This is fun." <laughs> Um, so I, I, I'm definitely fortunate that, that I, I found what, what I enjoy doing, uh, relatively young compared to some people. Yeah, that's great. And what kind of tips do you have? Like, what do you do to kind of wind down? You know, it seems like you're go, go, go. And, you know, you are totally, uh, you know, involved in this whole community, but what do you, what, how do you wind down for yourself? If, if watching, you know, <laughs> videos on it and eating dinner, um, is doing it for you? Uh, do you take walks, you know, by yourself, or uh, do you find meditation to be helpful? Yeah, honestly, that that's definitely a, a weakness of mine, and something that I should honestly probably investigate more than I I, I have. But um, I think just trying to find things outside of work to look forward to. So as I coach a ton, as I have my podcast as I'm trying to grow my YouTube channel, my social media, just my brand in general. There's always something to do. Um, but what what people don't tell you about your mid-20s is it's definitely not as exciting as as you would assume or as the media makes it out to be. But um, whether it is going for a walk or trying to pick up beach volleyball, bowling, all these other sports I want to kind of dive into. Um Fortnite with my brother. That is the most I ever talked to my brother who lives in a different state and the most I talk to my buddies. So I guess that the, that's something I, I can shamelessly admit to. Yeah, that all sounds like really healthy hobbies. I mean, you don't necessarily have to, you know, lie on the couch or, um, you know, meditate to relax. You know, sometimes people relax in different ways. So those all sound like really fun things to do. And it seems like your life at, you know, in your mid 20s, sounds really fun. So <laughs> I would say you're doing it right. Hope so. Hope so. I'm, I'm glad I, I painted a fun picture. Yeah, yeah, you definitely did. And I, I do hope you have time or that you'll allow yourself some time to get into those, you know, fun sports hobbies that you mentioned. Um, bowling can be very fun. And, you know, some people take it seriously, but I, I love bowling and I'm terrible at it. And I, I still love it. <laughs> I, I have my own little uh, cheat sheet. So my, my twin brother, I played baseball in college and he was a college bowler. So he actually got more money to play college sports than I did. So, so he, he actually made it uh pretty, pretty up the, the ladder going to nationals and everything. And he just bowled a 300 and an 800 series. If the listener knows kind of what those two numbers mean. Um, so I have my own little coach kind of in my corner, but uh, my, my parents don't move as well as they used to, but they can definitely pick up a bowling ball and chuck it. So it's become a, a good little kind of family thing. So that's awesome. It works out well. Yeah, that's great. That's so cool that, that you have a twin as well. And um, you guys have your own, you know, separate hobbies and you guys got this whole family uh, bowling thing going on too. <laughs> Um, so I'm just going to jump into the next topic here. Oh, before I do that, sorry. Um, where can people find your podcast? Yes. So it is on Apple podcasts and Spotify, probably the two biggest ones, but I use anchor, which distributes it to, I don't even know how many platforms, but every now and again, I'll put the video on YouTube itself, but 
it's such a, a long video with such a small audience that the videos never do well. So I want the algorithm to like me on YouTube, but on uh, on Apple or Spotify or Anchor, those are the, the best places to. Cool. And um, are you on any social media that you try to post to or just the platforms for now? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Coach Big Toe. So Coach B-I-G-T-O-E. It's a play on my last name. It, it's it's my license plate. And you can guess what my <laughs> brother's is and my mom and my dad's is from there. But Coach Big Toe on Instagram and Twitter. And then the link will be in my link tree. I was about to ask you, I didn't want to like out your your nickname if that was, but uh, your last name is Tometz? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's great. Um, when I saw your name and then I saw the big toe reference, I thought, oh my gosh, he probably got teased so much. And that was his nickname that stuck with him. I loved it. <laughs> it was my, my nickname in college was just toe. And then my coach put every spin under the sun, like hairy toe, turf toe. I'd be like in the game playing and I'd hear my teammates go, come on, toe truck and just like everything else. So um, I definitely, definitely like toe over Matt. And like, you can't go into a new setting and say, hey, here's my nickname. Like you kind of have to get the the nickname. But uh, yeah, so that if you see Big Toe speed on the highway, it's definitely not me. It's your family. <laughs> it's one of the other family members. Yeah, it's probably one of them for sure. Definitely not me. <laughs> That's great. Um, so if you could, uh, we already talked about your name, uh, Mr. Toe, but can you go into uh, the degree that you got and which school you received it from? Fantastic. Yes. So I got my undergrad bachelor's of science and exercise science from Truman State University in Missouri. And I got my master's from uh, Texas Christian University. And that is a master's of science in kinesiology. All right. I can never say that word kinesiology. Um, Both of my friends just graduated last month with that degree. And they're in the medical field, so they went the medical route. But every time I would be like, kinesiology? (laughs) It definitely sounds fancier than it is, for sure. No, I think it's a great field because, again, both of my really good friends that um, I went to college with, I actually met them in a physics class. Um, Oh, ew. (laughs) I know, we all hated it together, but it was what brought us together. the hate for physics. Um, Yeah, we helped each other out a lot. And they told me about their uh, field. And it's just really interesting. And they're not super athletic. They used to be both of them. But of course, as you get older, and you're trying to do school and and juggle uh, work, it can kind of become quite a lot of uh, work just to do everything. So they, they don't do sports anymore, but they were studying it. And they just graduated, so they are in your field. <laughs> but you even excelled and went to the master's degree, which I think is amazing. So being that you have so much um, you know, education behind your belt, can you tell me more about the degrees that you got? Yes. So kinesiology or exercise science, basically the study of human movements and how exercise affects the body. So with all of that, it turns into... There's, there's many sub-disciplines as you can turn a degree into basically anything you want. So some of the common like exercise science, pre-PT, pre-physical therapy, pre-occupational therapy. I even had some pre-dental classmates, um, pre-med. You could go to med school with an exercise science degree. But the field that I'm in, I would call strength and conditioning is probably the more traditional term versus sports performance, but they each describe the same thing. 
So basically I use science to help athletes get bigger, faster, stronger. And within uh, sports performance, there's typically three routes you can go. There is the college slash professional route, the high school route, or the private route. So I'm currently at a private business doing my thing. So um, as an athlete, the the joke was when you meet people on, on campus throughout your freshman year, um, it was, oh, you know, what's your major? What's your major? And there's, oh, I'm mad. Um, I'm studying excess science. Like, oh, of course, you're an athlete. I'm like, well, like, I like working out, obviously, like, don't judge me. So it was, it was kind of like the, the, the jock major, I guess. Um, but there was plenty of, of non-athletes in that major as well. But um, those were, that's a little bit about kind of like the, the description of it and what you can kind of do with it. Are most people that go into that degree, is it because they want to become an athlete or they want to become a physical trainer or they just want to meet some really cool athlete celebrities? Uh, well, at least where I went to school in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, a division two school, probably not trying to meet some professionals. Um, but with, with all of the different ways you could spin an exercise science degree. I guess I'll, I'll speak mainly on my undergrad as the master's is more specific, but it's really just scrolling through the, the courses you would take. So whenever someone is looking at colleges, actually how I, I came across exercise science, and, and this was uh, one of your questions, how I kind of knew what I wanted to study as this kind of might, might answer it. So yeah, go in ahead high and school. answer it. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to For interrupt, sure. but feel free to answer any questions in whatever order. Awesome. So uh, my freshman year of high school, I got hurt uh, during baseball and then I went to f- physical therapy and I was like, whoa, I can I can work with athletes for a living. Like, this is so cool. And like the more time I had physical therapy, I was like, eh, this is kind of slow. It's kind of old people. And then at my high school, they created this thing called Sports Medicine Club basically where you just get to shadow, hang out with athletic trainers and they teach you stuff. And I was like, whoa, I can work with like just athletes. So that was what my junior year of high school. And then I was like, ah, that's kind of slow. Like that's the rehab process. So when I was looking at colleges, I knew I wanted to do something sporty. I knew I wanted to go to a medium-sized school in the Midwest. That was like a decent drive from home. I'm from the Chicago area, a decent drive from home, but not like 30 minutes, but not a plane ride either. And actually, as I was just scrolling on the websites, I came across this thing called exercise science and Truman state where I went, they were one of the few schools that checked all of my boxes and also had athletic training and exercise science because I wasn't completely sure kind of which one I wanted, but kind of scrolling through the classes of an exercise science degree, biomechanics, sports, psychology, nutrition, anatomy and physiology, just all those classes were things that I really liked science. I took anatomy as an elective in high school. So it just checked off a bunch of the boxes. Um, so that's kind of how I knew what, what major I wanted to do. And then I ended up having an, an internship. Well, I guess I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stop myself there. And, and how's that going to sound about how I, I stumbled upon exercise science? That sounds really great. Um, I do have a question though, just to follow up on that. Is anyone else in your family in this field or is this something that you decided to do on your own? So my brother, well, actually, no, no one is. So my my twin brother, he is a middle school teacher in Iowa. So he does seventh and eighth grade math. My dad has been in the stock markets, businessy, finance, trading, computer IT stuff, as no one can actually describe their dad's job. 
Um, so he, he had his uh, undergrad in, I think, finance, if I'm not mistaken. And then my mom has done teaching as well, um, as well as some like medical technology stuff. So she's science E, that's probably the closest thing, but she was more education. Um, I was definitely the, the sportiest out of my family, but the only one that did exercise science. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself, because I, I see a trend here with your mom being an educator and your brother being an educator, is that something you would be interested in later on down the road, uh, like a higher a, a higher level education? Yeah. So actually with with my brand and my content and social media, I, I really like coaching coaches on top of coaching athletes, but it, it's just so much more impactful if I can coach 20 athletes versus if I coach 20 coaches who then each coach their own 20 athletes. So just being able to explain stuff and, and teach, I definitely like older, higher level people. And whether it's teaching through coaching or teaching through actual teaching, I'm, I think that the college level would be something interesting to do in the future. That's, for sure. Yeah, I can definitely see that working out in your favor. And when you teach coaches, are you teaching them new methods? Like, because would they already be coaches? You're just teaching them something maybe in the field that's new, or are these people that have no prior coaching experience? It's really whoever stumbles upon my stuff. Uh, I, I target it to all kind of sports performance coaches, but the key is how do you make it digestible? How do you put your own spin on it? Admit that you're not reinventing the wheel, but teach them something or a new perspective or a new angle that they didn't know otherwise. You know, how am I with three years of full-time experience going to add value to someone with 10 years experience? Well, it's a different way to phrase something. It's a different way to look at a same kind of problem or same drill or exercise. You know, like it's, it's no secret how to get athletes bigger, faster, stronger. People have been doing it years and years and years at super high level. So it's like, how can I be different? How can I stick out? How can I add some value to something a little different? So it's definitely a, a unique challenge, but I would, I would say that, that my, my content is probably more geared to a younger coach as those younger coaches would see me as knowing more than they do and having more value to offer than someone who has 10 more years experience than I do. Yeah. And with your master's program, um, is this a master's project that you did where you were building on, you know, career skills, or did you actually do studies in the field? Yes. So actually I like to, to hijack this question is it was kind of part of it, but I love telling the story, how actually my master's came to be and how I ended up at TCU as this is a, a story I love telling, but, um, as long as I, I, I have your blessing and feel free to, to hop in with any of course, of course. I I am here to listen, man. I, I am just eating all this up. So it was freshman orientation at Truman, and it was like intro to uh, exercise science or research methods or one of those just first semester classes. And it was between who was regarded as the hard teacher and who was regarded as the easy teacher. And I picked the harder teacher. I was like, I'm here in college. I know what I want to study. I want the challenge, you know, I'm here to learn and like set myself up. So I picked a hard teacher and not that like it was like life-changing or we just clicked right away, but I enjoyed his class. We had a few decent conversations. I worked hard. He knew I worked hard. He knew I was a serious student. And I, I picked him every other opportunity that I could 
to take the quote unquote hard teacher. And then he became my advisor my sophomore year, as that's typically when you get your major specific uh, faculty member to kind of help guide you through your next three years. And then my junior year, because I did my internship, actually where I'm currently coaching, the summer in between my sophomore and my junior year. So he was the advisor for that. So he knew that I was coaching. I was doing speed training. I was working with high school, high school age athletes mainly. And he offered me the opportunity to train his son and his son's friend who were high school track athletes because he knew that I did speed development for sprinting. And I, I remember having the phone call with my dad. I was like, oh, you know, like I'm in season with baseball and this is my hardest semester, junior year and like da 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 and all stuff. And my dad said, he's given you a lot of opportunities so far. He wouldn't offer this if he didn't really think that you could do it. And you don't have to say yes, but could you make it happen? And I said, yeah, I think I could make it happen and do a good job. So from there, I trained his son and his son's friend for a semester. I was able to, quote unquote, present my research at the um, the like university seminar thing. And then I got honors for it. So he was also trying to help me out that way. And then it was my senior year, like March, almost done. I had applied to three grad schools, Cal State Fullerton, the University of Miami in Florida, and Springfield College. So I was like, I'm going undergrad in the Midwest, but I'm going anywhere but here for my master's. I'm just going to go to the best place that'll take me. And I got into those three schools, but they didn't have a graduate assistant position. and They didn't have any scholarships for me. So throughout the course of these four years, my advisor had gotten A's in all of his classes. I had done research for him. I'd said yes to every opportunity that he gave me. He advised my internship. He wrote my references for my graduate school applications. And one day he said, hey, you know, schedule a meeting with me tomorrow. And I went into his office and he said, do you remember, uh, I'll just call him Dr. K. He said, do you remember Dr. K? I said, yeah, I like one class with him my sophomore year. And I remember he went to a big purple school. And I was like, oh, man, like, I don't want to go do my master's at Kansas State. Like, that would oh, that would that'd be so bad. But I'll hear him out. So he goes, Dr. K is at TCU in Texas. And I said, oh, they're really good at baseball. And my advisor was like, oh, I, I had a feeling you'd say that. So he said, Dr. K called me up and said that they are looking for more graduate assistant applicants because basically they weren't too satisfied with the ones they had gotten. So he called up my advisor and I was the first person that he thought of. And I was the first person that he recommended that graduate assistantship to. So from that meeting to two weeks later, I had a phone call with Dr. K just to catch up, talk about it. And I had a phone call with another faculty member at TCU who would be my direct advisor. So from that two week period, I had a full paid for graduate assistantship offer to TCU. So just looking back, reflecting on that story, I couldn't even put all those dots together, but it was just like working hard for the right people, saying yes to opportunities and just like being a good person. Um, so that leads me to, to TCU. That's kind of why I, I hijacked uh, your original question, but how's that sound? No, that's an amazing story. I love that. I think there's so much about that story that people can learn from, you know, sticking with it, making your name known, and just making impressions on people because that 
Dr. K, you know, remembered you. So you obviously made an impression on them to that extent. And you just, you know, I, I understand it must have been hard getting into the schools that you wanted and not having the financial op- op- uh, opportunity to do so. But just by waiting and being patient, it really seems like it paid off. I, I don't know if, you know, it would have been, you know, who knows what your experience would have been at the other schools, right? We would never know. But it seems like it worked out in the end for you. It definitely does all all work out. And, and there were so many things that came out of, of TCU, which I'll, I'll definitely get to next. But um, there were three main things that um, kind of, bullet points that I wanted to share, but two of them kind of come from this story. So the the first thing from that story is there's the the classic cliche phrase, it's all about who you know, but that's actually not how it is. It's actually who knows you. So I could say, oh, I know Dr. K. He's at TCU. I want to go there. But because he said, I know Matt, I know Dr. or I know Dr. B, who is my advisor. It's like, I know Matt, I know Dr. B, Dr. B knows Matt as well. And Dr. B is willing to put his name out there with my name. That goes light years further than me just being able to say, oh, I had that one class with him that one time. So I, I got good grades for Dr. K and Dr. B was willing to stick his name out there with my name because he said, I know Matt. It's all about who knows you and who's willing to put their name with your name. And that's really what what got that opportunity for me um, and all of those things that had kind of accumulated over the course of the prior four years. But second kind of point that I wanted to say was people can't help you if they don't know where you want to go. And it's not to say that I was beating down every professor's door on campus saying, I need a graduate assistantship. But the fact that my advisor, I'd asked him, I'd built rapport with him. I had asked him to be my reference. I had kept him in the loop with all of my applications, what I heard back and everything like that. He knew that I want to get my master's. He knew, he knew what I wanted it to be in. He knew that I was open to going anywhere in the country. And imagine if I didn't ask him to be a reference. Imagine if he didn't know that I was even trying to get my master's, you know, then he wouldn't have thought of me first. So sometimes it's, it's leaving it kind of vague and open, but if people don't know where you want to go, they can't possibly help you out. So those were two of the, the lessons I wanted to put out there. Gosh, that is so insightful. Thank you so much for saying that, because like you said, it is a cliche that, you know, people say it's who you know, but you are totally right to flip it on its head. It only matters if they even remember you or know who you are. It doesn't matter who you think you know right? It's who's willing to stick their neck out for you. And so you have to make your intent known. You have to make your um, your people to vouch for you known. That has to be something that you have to work your butt off and, and have that be seen, you know, along the way so that when it's time to uh, cash in those favors, <laughs> it's not such a big ask. Yes. Yeah, so I got my undergrad in 2018. I'm really dating myself. This is not good for my quarter life crisis, which is a real thing, by the way. But I got my my undergrad in 2018, moved to Fort Worth in August 2018. And then I graduated. COVID was what? March 2020. And then I got my master's May 2020. 
Um, but I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get there, but I'll, I'll stick with the timeline. So I went out to Texas a month early. So I was a graduate assistant in the sports science center in the kinesiology department. So my boss at TCU, over the course of like the six years he was there, he had built relationships with a few of the sports teams, just doing sports science for them. So basically sports science for your listeners who aren't familiar, it is how do you apply the scientific method to sport and getting you bigger, faster, stronger, increasing the chance of you winning and keeping your athletes on the field. So science, the scientific method, you have a hypothesis, you collect your data, you figure out what the data means. So basically with all the technology, how do we use that to help the coaches do their job better, the athletic trainer do their job better, the strength coach do their job better, et cetera, et cetera. So I went down there early because we had a huge study with the football team, the TCU football team, doing fish oil and concussions. There was every day we had to give them five fish oil pills, whether it was a placebo or not the placebo. And then they had accelerometers in their helmets that they would wear during practice and games to kind of um, to gauge how many Gs their head was experiencing. And basically, if it was above a certain threshold, they would consider that like a precursor for a concussion. And so I went there for the first kind of month just doing that. Semester starts, and it was about three weeks in, and my boss's thing was power research. So power is the combination of a is the combination of load and also speed of let's say like a back squat. So where's that perfect load that helps you do it really fast, but it's also a decent amount of weight. So I was just reading research study after research study about power development, you know, how long to rest in between your squats, how to load it and do all of this stuff. But I loved the applied aspect of kind of sports science, being in the football locker room, on the field, doing these sensors, just like actually being there versus what would be more academic research. I like the applied side. So I, I literally had another phone call with my dad and I was like, I, I can't stay here. Like, I can't do this anymore. This is so bad. And I literally like, what's it going to be like telling them I'm, I'm leaving and moving back home and what will I do for the next year? And those were all these thoughts that was going through my head. And on top of that, I also had a mentor. So where I currently coach at TC Boost. When I interned there the summer of 2016, one of the full-time coaches and I kind of clicked. I asked him all my questions. We had super good conversations. And it was like two weeks before I actually went to Texas. So this would have been like July 2018. I said, Steve, I would love to ask you to be my mentor before I go off to Texas. And he was like, uh, sure, I'd love to. Like, what what do you have in mind? And I was like, I don't know, but I know having a mentor is important. So, so we had this kind of casual agreement for him to be my mentor, which basically just meant being like an email pen pal um, every kind of two weeks or so. But it was so impactful kind of having him throughout the two years, but also in that first kind of month, two months, to have someone with experience, but also could understand it. Like my parents are super smart, super wise, super grateful. They definitely get smarter the older I get. Basically, I realize how much I don't know. 
but their advice, they don't truly like get what it's like being in my field and what, how I would have to use my time at TCU to get a job I want later. So just to have someone who was an adult with experience, but also gets it for lack of a better term was so impactful. So it was a conversation with my dad about like being able to kind of go through some things I don't like and don't want to do. And my mentor saying, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. And I I decided to stay. And it was literally the the next week that my boss said, you played uh, college baseball, right? I was like, I did. And he said, so you know who Zach Dakin is, who is the TCU baseball strength coach. He's been there for like 15 years, one of the best in the business. I was like, oh my gosh, like I read all of his articles. Um, I watch all of his videos and he goes, all right, meet me at the weight room 6 a.m. on Monday. You're going to start working with the team. So throughout the course of that next first semester, I was at the weight room every however many days they lifted, three or four, collecting data, chatting with the guys, doing wellness questionnaires and, and kind of everything else and collecting data that would help the strength coach kind of do his job better. And so that completely changed kind of everything. I was doing more applied stuff, more stuff I wanted to do there. And it was like November-ish. And as we got to know our classmates better, as master's classes are much, much smaller, probably an average of like 8 to 15 people, one of my classmates was the graduate assistant strength coach for the beach volleyball team and also the swim team. And I was just chatting with her after class one day. And I, I don't know, like looking back, I still don't know what came over me to offer this, but we were just chatting and I was like, yeah, I'm doing this thing with the football team and with the baseball team. And, you know, if, if the beach volleyball coaches are interested, like I, I could definitely like swing another team. I'd love to give it a go. And for whatever reason, she took me up on my offer. She chatted with the beach coaches. And before I know it, she's like me, you, your boss and the beach coaches are going to have a meeting. And talk about kind of what you can do with them for the next semester, the the spring semester starting in January. And I started working with the beach volleyball team. The football study was done. I was done with the baseball team. And for the next three semesters, I was literally in the sand every single day with the team. I traveled with them to all of their tournaments in the spring. And I was basically like, I was was like a full-time staff member without being a full-time staff member. But if I could ask, like, what kind of, what did they have you doing when you were with them? What kind of roles did you have? Yes. So sports science, I managed basically all of their technology that they had. So we had a little bit of a, a brainstorming session with my boss, the beach coaches, the strength coach, as the beach coaches being the experts on beach, obviously, and my boss being the expert on sports science and tech and whatnot. And basically, we just had a, an hour chalk talk talking about what technology do we have experience with? What do we think would be the most impactful? What questions do the coaches wish that they could answer that they can't without kind of data and stuff like that? And we had settled on Polar Team Pro heart rate monitors. So that does heart rate, but also it does GPS. So we were doing internal load and external load to use some sports science terms. And we also did uh, daily wellness questionnaires. So every day, how much did you sleep? How was your sleep? Energy, soreness, and stress levels. And also SRPEs, which is a subjective measure of how hard they thought the session was, not to get too kind of fancy. But basically, I was there every day. 
managing the heart monitors, helping them with their questionnaires. I was at every staff meeting, doing my Excel sheet, my database, and basically just answering any questions kind of that the coaches and the players had to help them stay in the sand and performing at a high level. Wow. So it seems like you were a very important asset to their team. And and I'm sure you felt like a complete 180 from where you felt before when you felt kind of hopeless and wanting to go back home. I I literally couldn't make that part of the story up if I tried. Like I, I literally remember how do I have that conversation about leaving and what the heck am I going to do moving back home with an undergrad degree and like one month of grad school experience um, to literally like, for whatever reason, the graduate assistant coach taking me up on my offer. I feel like change my life is kind of a dramatic way to put it, but it 100% made my master's what it was and consequently influenced my experience now and my lens in which I see kind of all of performance. So yeah, like literally just why, why I wanted to toss a story in there was like, there's definitely a push and a pull to it, but you have to push first in order to get pulled in, I guess would be a, a an easy way to kind of, kind of put that. So, you know, that graduate assistant strength coach didn't know that I wanted another team or that I could, she might've been thinking that, but until I pushed, until I kind of put it out there and said, hey, I'd love to try, she could have easily said, oh, cool, yeah, I'll ask him and then never actually done it. But I pushed and I was fortunate enough to where she pulled and then that opened up an opportunity to me and I guess I uh, I didn't mess it up. So Yeah, and it's, it's nice that you mentioned something earlier on that I wanted to touch on that your parents and your family was there to support you, but they were limited in what they could help you with. And so you utilize the other people around you in the academic field to kind of help you in other ways that your parents couldn't. But is there, and, and I think that's really good to have that foresight to not put too much on, on one person or, or a family member. Um, did your parents help you at all kind of in the earlier stages of the undergraduate degree, kind of getting your foot in the door and, helping you out with just figuring out your classes or do you feel like uh, the faculty and staff really helped you out the most? So growing up where I grew up in the Chicago area, I was and am so fortunate that they decided to live where we live and go to the, like why they picked to buy a house and raise my bro and I was because of the high school and just the surrounding high schools, but specifically the one I went to. It's one of the top uh, public schools in Illinois. So grades were always important. And I always say that my parents gave me everything I needed and a little bit of what I wanted. So I always needed a summer job, you know, only got like one pair of shoes per year, I guess is like a random example, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but so they were super fundamental in, in helping me research colleges and driving me. I don't even know how many colleges I saw all were within a drive, but some like required a hotel visit, you know, as long as they checked off my boxes of medium sized Midwest and had, you know, the two, one or two of the majors that I was thinking about, because my brother also wanted a small-ish school, so it worked out, but... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Did you and your brother go to college together? 
No, we did not. He went to a school, a small school in Iowa. Okay, okay. We needed time away. And honestly, that was the best thing that happened to our relationship. A completely different note. But. Yeah, I mean, you hear about twins being really, really close, but I can imagine distance and having time to figure out who you are as a person is also very important too. And I'm sure none of you guys took it the wrong way. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, there was no chance we were good. Like literally... We had two class, like from like preschool to senior year of high school, we had two classes together. It was like seventh grade Spanish and then like a senior year elective of high school. Like my mom intentionally growing up, put us in different classes. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, kudos to her for doing that. I mean, I'm sure if, if you guys really were, you know, bonded and wanted to be in every class together, she probably would have done that as well. But maybe she could see that you guys uh, were kind of going your separate ways, maybe in terms of who you are as a person and kind of had the foresight to not put you guys in every class together. Yeah. It was, it was probably a little too obvious that we didn't get along the best growing up, um, which I, I, I do admit, but having kind of our, our own space um, was definitely good for us, but there was, there was no intention um, to go to the same school intentionally for each other. So I initially asked you kind of like, you know, navigating you know, college can be kind of tough. And it seemed like your, your family did help you out a little bit there. Um, It seems like you had a lot of guidance, you know, once you kind of got into the upper undergraduate level, and then, you know, that transferred over into the graduate level. What about after college? You know, what kind of um, guidance are you getting there? Have you learned so much that you can kind of take over the reins yourself and apply everything that you've learned and, and seen in other people and, and, just take the reins and go for it. Yeah, so I I think um, to kind of to kind of close whatever chapter I, I kind of opened about um, my parents and what that had kind of meant to me. So going to a, a tougher high school and always getting preached the importance of grades and whatnot. It was also a, a combination of like them also kind of being hands off, like they weren't texting me every weekend when I was at college saying, Hey, when's your next, when's your next test? You know, like literally uh, one time my mom visited, do you need me to check your homework for you? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) She, she literally uh, on my uh, sticky note uh, pad on my desk on the first 10, she just wrote, call mom, call mom, call mom, you know, because like they were, you know, equally as kind of uninvolved, like they knew it was my scene, but, when it was my time to call and chat and ask for kind of advice, um, they were, they were there. But so, so I think a lot of it, a lot of it happened kind of in high school and, um, to kind of answer another question that you had asked, like, honestly, college wasn't hard. Like I worked hard, but it wasn't hard to work hard. If that makes sense. Mm Um, because I had went to a good school. I knew grades were important. Like I was on the baseball team. I was the president of two clubs. I was the treasurer of another club. And like I did research with for my advisor and like all these other things. And like that wasn't like I had to do a lot of stuff, but it was hard to do that stuff. Not to like make it sound easy, but there was just like I, I had a, a a classmate on my in my dorm and it was the first semester. We're about halfway through and he was like, it was like midterms and he was like, Matt, like, how do you, how do you study? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> how do you study? And he's like, I don't like in high school, I just had to show up to the test. Like I never had to study for a test in high school. 
And I was like, what, what do you talk about? I was like, dude, I get the syllabus. I write out every test and homework assignment in my planner. Cause I obviously have a planner. And then one week before every big test, I say, Hey, big test in one week. And then I break up the chapters into how many days before that all this stuff. And I was like laying it off for him. He's like, where'd you learn that stuff? And I was like, high school, I guess. So super fortunate to go to the high school that I did and had the parents to kind of preach the certain things that, that they did to me and also have the, you know, advisors that I had during undergrad. And it's the same thing where like I, I pushed, I have this like weird ability to like put myself out there and just do it. Like once it takes me a while to make up my mind, but once I do, then I take action. So like I said, my advisor didn't have to pull me when, um, when I asked him to be my uh, internship advisor and all of these kind of other situations, but same thing with my mentor when I asked him to be my mentor, but it was an openness to kind of put myself out there. And I feel like vulnerable is kind of an over, not an overused term, a little bit too dramatic than, than what I'm looking for, but um, I worked out for the right people. I was open to kind of push and I'm super grateful that all the people kind of that I've referenced so far pulled me as well. But to have that support, whether it was for the more general things like my parents or the more niche things like my advisor and my mentor, I 100% couldn't have like done it to my own devices for sure. So believe it or not, I don't know everything. So I think to admit that I didn't know everything and that I wanted to seek help and that I was telling people that, hey, I don't know this. I trust you. I want your two cents. And then, like I said, them pulling me. Um, super grateful for that. But kind of how does all that sound? And then I'll talk about graduating in COVID. Yeah, I just wanted to, like, you know, add something to what you said, where you said you don't know everything. And you had mentioned earlier, too, that as your parents get older, you know less. And I don't really know how to explain this to people that don't understand it. But I really say like, you know, I, I felt like I knew more before my degree than I know now. <laughs> and I have formal education. But when it's a science degree, especially or anything involving science, the more you know, the less you know, because there's just so many questions that pop up. And you're always asking, why is this this way? Why is it that way? And you just keep saying, I don't know. <laughs> And so people think, oh, you're in this field. Let me ask you a bunch of questions. And sometimes you you can answer, you know, on things that you actually do know. But it, it reminds you of just how much there is left to know. And it seems like with your work ethic, your discipline, like you have an amazing amount of discipline to get the work done. Right. And like you said, it's not it's it's difficult to, to do well in school, but it's not hard. And you have the discipline necessary to know what is expected of you. You've done it before and you just go through the motions and you've seen results before. So you go through it again and, you know, boom, bam, there you are. And there's always that one guy in your class that just shows up and doesn't study and always does well. And it just, it infuriates me. But at the same time, I'm thinking these study skills that I have in life that I have applied to my, my education will help me in, my career as well, because you, in a career, you just can't show up <laughs> and do well, you know? Um, so I think your whole experience, like one of the questions I ask people is, would you have done anything differently? I think I know the answer to that because it seems like everything, at least that you're, you've told me so far happened for a reason and you just went with the flow. Am I wrong? 
Uh, so, uh, yes, yes, and no, <laughs> not to not to put you on blast. No, no, put me on the, blast. What? Where would you have gone differently? Because that could be like a tip that you might have of something you discovered. Yeah. So, um, well, first, the guy that I referenced earlier about not studying, he actually flunked out and left. Oh, okay. So, so there's it didn't work also out for those him. guys that. It, <laughs> that it does not work out. But I thought you were going to say there's those guys that show up in your class that don't study and make you and your friends stop being friends. But <laughs> um, no, no, circle, but. that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like in the moment with the experiences that I had, I think I was doing a lot both in and out of the classroom. But with the mentor that I have now and trying to grow my brand and be a professional and whatnot, I would, and of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So you're right. Where, in the moment, I think I would not have changed anything. But looking back, now I would change some things. So, in regards to kind of beyond just like getting that piece of paper that says you're smart, aka a degree, getting good, getting good grades are the minimum. You know, like like people think, Oh, I'll, I'll get good grades. And that's going to set me up with a good job. And that's going to set me up with grad school. It's like, no, 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 homie. That's like the barrier for entry to get into those conversations, you know, that just so, gets you the interview. <laughs> exactly. You know, so just like, that's, that's why you go to school. That's the minimum. What do you do on top of that to set you up for success? So what I would have done differently is I would have, I would, so I was fortunate to where I knew what I wanted to do ish. So for example, I went to school an hour away from Mizzou university of Missouri, the D one school in the sec. So what I would have done, or if I could go back, I would do this. I would email the strength coaches on their staff and say, Hey, you know, I'm a junior senior at Truman state. I just did my internship at a private facility in Chicago. This is definitely what I want to do. You know, I'd, I'd be super grateful to come shadow you for a day or buy you lunch or just like whatever. And just utilize being stuck in a certain geographic location for four years to anything that's within a, you know, one, two hour drive to go kind of make that happen. Um, so what can you like, like all of those things that happened to me started in the classroom, but that was just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it was my internship. It was doing research and training his son. It was my internship and he happened to be my advisor, you know? So the things in the classroom are just the, the bare minimum. That's the barrier for entry. Um, so being creative and thinking about what other colleges can I go visit or asking each professor that I had some rapport with. So it wasn't totally weird, but asking them being like, Hey, do you know anyone in the area who's a coach or, you know, I think I want to do sports performance. Um, is there anyone in the area you think I should say hello to, or can you connect me with anyone kind of in your, in your network? You know, you, you can't walk into a professor's office on day one and ask that, but if you have rapport and you think that they think highly of you, think about what can you do in the classroom or sorry, what starts in the classroom, but how can you turn that into stuff outside of it? Um, kind of beyond. So that's what I would do differently. I think that's fair. I, th I think that would have changed it maybe a little bit differently for your opportunities. I'm not quite sure. 
how much uh, of a different trajectory it would have put you on. But it's definitely um, in hindsight when you look at it, like what could I have done more? Are you trying to call yourself right? <laughs> no, I just think you don't give yourself enough credit of how successful you are. And I think that what you've done is amazing and you're not thinking about all the things that had to happen for it to work out this way. Do you, what would you have preferred to happen? That's a good question. I think, uh, looking back, um, kind of like, I, as I, I, I prefaced before I kind of started going down any rabbit hole, like I couldn't make any of these stories up if I tried, you know, hindsight's always 2020, you know, I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be to give another eye roll worthy cliche. Um, there were things that I think would have been super interesting kind of add-ons, but at that point in time, I wasn't really thinking about that. Um, but everything does work out and like, you know, how, how I'm here now, TCU, all the pushing that I did and consequently all, all the pulling, you know, that's the, the more impressive part. But those were ideas that I could have pushed in different ways. Not, not saying that they would have pulled me, but just being creative in different opportunities that you can push kind of outside the classroom. But I think for how everything did play out, it might not have changed much. I'll give you a little bit more credit. Well, and and here's my follow-up question with that. Do you feel like there is more that you haven't done yet that you plan to do in the academic level? Uh, academic, so, so my master's was a thesis master's. I think there's what, thesis and treatise for those of you who are familiar with that. I think treatise is basically like a, a fancy PowerPoint presentation project research thing. Versus a thesis is like an actual research study. So I was super fortunate that the beach volleyball coaches allowed me to uh, use that data to do my thesis. So it's fortunate that it was more of an observation study. So there actually weren't that many things. I had to do like one thing at the beginning or where they had to kind of modify their training on one day to like first get their heart rates, their heart rate maxes doing a yo-yo intermittent recovery test. But where basically I was just observing and they were doing their own thing and I was offering my two cents kind of here and there, but it was the first thesis. Um, no one, no one, no one come after me if I'm wrong, but I think at the time it was the first study in all of college women's beach volleyball. And it was the first study in all of beach volleyball to validate certain technology. There was a few studies before, but they were more kind of observational. They didn't actually like run correlations against stuff and, and whatnot. Um, so I definitely had, I'm super grateful going through the whole, the whole academic process and publishing and research and all that stuff. I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze outside of that. Like it was nice because it was all set up for me and it was part of my degree. I think if I would, if I were to do it like independently as like a professional, not associated with the university, it's just a lot versus what I would get out of it. Now I'm sure if I wanted to go into teaching, if I wanted to do my PhD, it might be a little different. Um, so I think with my current kind of game plan, probably not, but I'm super grateful, like going through all of that and how stringent it was. And you learn, even though most of life is like in the middle of certain continuums and just shades of gray kind of here and there, you learn from the extremes. So the research and the thesis was on the extreme of data, protocols, procedures, 
doing everything technically right, like seven drafts of every single thing you submit versus I live in the super real applied setting, coaching athletes every day. They play every other sport under the sun. They come in super tired, banged up. I've athletes show up on the first day in the training with athletes that have been training for two years with me and stuff like that. So it's just like the, the most applied versus the most research. It was, it was so funny. Like I, I literally remember thinking to myself, I, so I was with them the whole spring kind of just le- learning their process, them getting to know me, you know, trying to work on my research question. I collect all the data the next fall. So the fall of my second year and I collect all the data. I run the correlations. Everything looks good. I'm typing everything up over winter break. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so sick. I'm going to submit it in December. I'll get it, you know, published in January or February. And then the beach volleyball season. No corrections on it. <laughs> oh, for sure. And like, literally, I'm going to travel. Um, I'm going to, because the beach volleyball community is so tight as most kind of specific communities are, but I was like, I'm going to travel to California and Florida and Georgia, you know, just to all these tournaments and all of these other teams are going to come to TCU. And like, they're going to know me as the guy that has the first women's college beach volleyball site. This will be epic. And it was probably like eight months after I submitted it, probably like a year to where it actually got like finished. Um, so it's definitely a, a, a long process, but, um, to give an example of how I learned from that extreme to my everyday life. So the article that was published today was on simplyfaster.com, which is just a very well-known website for you know performance and stuff like that. So applying the scientific method to sport, and I'm a speed development coach for sprinting, I wanted to know, well, does racing actually make kids faster? Like in theory it does, but I wanted to know like, what do the numbers actually say? So I had all my athletes over the course of a few training sessions, ages nine to 18, I had them do two races or sorry, two timed sprints by themselves and two timed sprints against someone else in the lasers. I got their times. I wrote down what it was by themselves, what it was racing someone else. And I had all of these procedures and protocols where I didn't tell them what the goal of it was. I didn't let them see their times as that could be motivating. And I basically typed up this article explaining my entire process and how I made it like a super formal research study, even though it was a very casual kind of case study. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful that I went through that process. Like I said, the extreme of academia and research, and it definitely positively influences my applied side now to make it a little bit more formal. Um, but where I think I want to go next, probably not. It's definitely a beast and not for the faint of heart as, as I'm sure you're well aware. Yeah, I, I've been doing scientific writing for the last week, and I do not like it. <laughs> every every sentence I write, I have to have like three or four citations. <laughs> it's the worst. It's like, do I literally have to like find a citation saying training load is just quantifying like what they're doing at practice? It's like, that's just like common knowledge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And at what point, like, where is that line where it's common knowledge to where I don't have to cite it? And then I'm also like judging, okay, based on this statement I just made, how many citations do I want to add on here just to like drive the point home that this is something that is well known in the science community? And then like you're, you're reading other studies on the topic and then you're like, well, that guy didn't reference that. Like, how come I have to? <laughs> so I'm, I'm writing like five paragraphs about a something that somebody else wrote pretty much. 
Um, they built this, you know, tool that we're going to be using. I was barely involved in the coding of the tool because I don't know how to code. But, um, you know, I would just give my thumbs up and say, that looks good. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to put my effort into the scientific writing because I know nobody else really wants to do that. So <laughs> that's how I'm trying to contribute. What's your, what's your field of study? Um, so I got my degree in ecology and evolution. And the current project that I'm working on now is about uh, flower color gradient in California and kind of looking at why this species of flower is different colors in the same community. Jeez, sounds smart. It's not very smart. I mean, we're just essentially using a tool to kind of analyze flower color. So I do like the project because I look at, you know, pictures of flowers all day. It's kind of nice, but um, it's just a small tool that we built. And it, it's nothing really like a master's program. I'm not in any program whatsoever. This is just kind of like a hobby thing I'm doing on for the funsies. side. Yeah, just to kind of. So one tip that I guess I have for listeners, um, like you said, is if you don't know what you want to do, get yourself involved and figure out if it's the right fit for you. And so that's exactly what I'm doing with this project is I'm still on the fence as to if I want to go back for a master's degree. And so I'm in making myself become involved with this process so I can get a very small glimmer into the um, what goes into doing a master's degree. And I'm finding out that it's not very fun. <laughs> um, it never is. But how passionate am I? Am I willing to work through the non-fun parts? So, For sure. And, and with that extreme of, you know, research and the rigor of that, there's going to be things that you liked about that process and, and things you, you didn't like. And, and I've, I've given the example of like, basically, stacking up boxes that you want to check in your next situation it's just as valuable if not more valuable stacking up those boxes where it's like i do not want those at all uh covid so so that was that kind of wrapped up my master's thesis all that stuff so i graduated so it was covid march 2020 got graduated or moved back home i had all these big big plans and literally, like, I was not one of those people who was, oh, like, I'm so sad. Grad school's ending. I have to be an adult. Like, all this stuff. Like, I'm not going to look for jobs just yet. Uh, like, I knew grad school's ending. I'm going to get on top of it. So I started applying to jobs the beginning of my second year. So, like, August 2019. So I thought I was, like, pretty on top of it. And I had all these big, big plans to go somewhere else, college, pro, sports science, uh, sports performance. And then COVID was like, yeah, that's nice. Try again. You just got two more roommates again called mom and dad <laughs> and Sophie, our dog. <laughs> but, so uh, moved back home. And as the uh, kind of quarantine and whatnot kind of lifted in like June, uh, where I had coached the previous few summers where I interned, um, I was there part-time just looking for jobs. Um and, and like, you know, June, July, I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll be out of here by like July, August. And that was like three August ago. So look at me now, but I've applied to 94 jobs. Don't worry. I have it all organized in an Excel sheet. So, uh, 94 jobs, I want to say. And when I say I networked, I don't mean network. Ironically, I mean, literally I looked up every power five. So every division one in the ACC, SEC, Big 10, Big 12, and Pac-12, every college strength coach 
that had sports science in their job title. And if their email was there, I shot them an email. If they're, if I found them on Twitter, I shot them a message on Twitter. If uh, they were on Insta, I sent them a message on Insta or LinkedIn, whatever. And I literally said, you have a job I would like. I want to learn more about how you got your job. I want to steal your job. And, I'm kidding. <laughs> and it's so facto, like, can you give it to me? But, Are you retiring anytime soon? <laughs> yeah. Do you happen to be like, you know, like 30 something and like just want to retire? Um, but it was, it was a cool kind of, like I said, once, once I have an idea, well, actually I do know when this spawned, it was when we were actually on the plane to do our spring break trip with the beach volleyball team the weekend before COVID happened. So we were flying out to uh, Myrtle beach in South Carolina to play a tournament, uh, practice during the week and then play another tournament. So it was like that Thursday. So I was on the plane going out there and I was looking out the window and I just thought to myself, how cool is this that I'm literally getting flown across the country to have these girls put on heart monitors, fill out their questionnaires, cheer them on for the whole weekend, and then calculate all the numbers and then talk about it on Monday. Like how cool is that? All expenses paid for, just get to hang out in the sand, like beach volleyball tournaments if you've never gone to one are so cool. There's music going the whole time, like just so cool. Like I want to do this. So that's when it hit me. Well, if this is what I want to do, I got to ask people who are in this spot, how they got to this spot. Um, so I did a bunch of pushing over the course of the next, you know, two plus years, unironically networking. They would give me a name or two. I'd, I'd call that person, et cetera, et cetera. Got a few, uh, a few interviews kind of from that, um, from the jobs I applied to. Definitely not as much as, as I thought. And not to get into the whole job search, what I want out of my career conversation. Um, but that's kind of how COVID kind of affected that. So COVID happened and that was my excuse to be living a, a lackluster life of just working, no social life, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the story I was telling of, oh, I'm just living at home, coaching where I've always coached. You know, that's where I was an intern. That's where I was part-time for two summers. And I'm just back here living in the same bedroom, coaching where I've always coached. So like, it's, it's a weird combination of being so open to what's next and being so eager and pushing so much and having it not all panned out yet. And maybe if I had gotten a job and I, I had a few interviews, uh, made it the second round of a few, a university flew me out and then ghosted me. That's a whole different story. Um, I got called about a job because of my uh, content creation and because someone spoke highly of me, I was like an automatic finalist for another job that I didn't get. But I feel like it's just the story I'm telling myself about my current situation. I have moved out. Don't worry. But I used to talk so much smack about like, oh, I don't get why people just get an apartment like two minutes away from where they uh, grew up. Like, why don't you just live at home and save money? Now, my dad thought he was going to retire. That's a different story. But and it's, I'm seven miles away, not two minutes. So that's also different. <laughs> but I'm like. But like every time I, I go to the grocery store, I'm just like, I, I hope I don't run into anyone I know, you know? Um, so I'm sure if maybe my environment was a little different, my mindset might be a little different. Um, and does your twin look like you? Is that a problem? No, we are fraternal. Okay. So it's not like you're going to get mistaken for somebody else and be like, hey, when are we going bowling? 
Yeah. <laughs> but he's in Iowa, right? Yes. And yeah, so he funny. did ta- he did take the the advice that you initially gave and he got the heck out of there. <laughs> yes. Well, uh there was a girl in the mix, so not not to put him on blast, but he was definitely uh Iowa Iowa suits him better. Well, I mean, so what kind of job titles are you looking for just so I know what to keep my eye out for you? <laughs> Because like I said, I work for I work for a university, so I get these like, you know, pings about job openings all the time. Which one? Can you disclose? I'll probably edit it out, but I work for um, University of... My roommate actually interned there with the uh, performance department. Oh, that's going to be so cool. We're like, you bleep that out, but then we keep talking about it. So the, the, that'll be so cool. People won't know what it is. Oh, and then we're talking about it now. Oh, yeah. Create FOMO. <laughs> And yes. then I'm going to say, and then I'm going to edit that part out. They're going to be like, wait, what did they Ooh, say? You got it all planned I out. Do. Yeah. So my roommate actually interned there. The listener must be so mad at us right now, but I love it. I love how we're breaking down the fourth wall. <laughs> Honestly, the only thing I could suggest is if people want to listen to you more, just check out your podcast. Because it seems like um, you have a wealth of, of experience and knowledge and it's just... Um, your, your story is very interesting. I didn't know it was going to be this interesting going in. Not that I set any expectation for any one guest. I kind of flattered. <laughs> I go into it completely blind. I try not to do any, you know, I, I do like a little bit of background if I know they have a podcast just so I don't look like an idiot. But um, I really, truly like to learn about these different fields and just the journey too, because every everybody, I'm sure you graduated with, you know, 10, 20 other people in the same degree same study, you probably had the same classes as them, and they all have different stories. So I think I could literally do a podcast just on your degree and still have 130 episodes. Well, I have enough words in my brain and thoughts in my brain for that. But I I definitely have to give credit where credit's due. A lot of this stuff has been beaten into my skull by just re-asking the same question just differently to my mentor for the past, what did I say, summer twenty. 18 for the last four years so a huge credit to him i literally couldn't even imagine where i'd be both in my career but also just like mentally without him but that's what uh overthinking a lack of hobbies and no social life will do for you in your mid-20s in the prime of your life the prime of my life post prime (laughs) there you go you just have to put yourself in the right time at the right moment you have the skills necessary you just need to be there when it's when it's there for the taking and you know, maybe ask some people if they're retiring anytime soon. <laughs> if you can be their protege. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 it's, a, it's a weird combination of like big picture to give you somewhere to go, urgency to drive you to take action, but patience to like let it happen when it happens. So I have the big picture. I have the urgency for some reason, but it's the dang patience. Yeah, it gets everybody. It, it takes a while and sometimes you kick yourself and then... When it finally happens and it works out, you look back and you're just like, what was I so worried about? (laughs) But there are real problems that exist that we're trying to solve right now. Like when your rent is due and what am I going to do about, you know, this kind of budgeting for this expense? Or if I do get a job out of state, how am I going to get there? Where am I going to live? You know, so there's definitely a lot to consider. I think you definitely have the tools and the support system for that when it's when it's ready and maybe you're just kind of you were in a bad situation to find a job with covid and it still hasn't quite bounced back yet yeah so um i actually like tried to the the one year of my second year 
before COVID, I was like 50% chance I'll end up in like Dallas, Fort Worth and 50% chance somewhere else and 0% chance I'll move back home and a world pandemic later, here we are. Well, you're making the best out of it. Uh, honestly, I think you're doing well for yourself and um, just let me know when you hit it big. <laughs> So I can say for sure. For so sure. that I can say I talked to Big Toe and I got to talk to him. It's it's funny. Uh, I was helping out at a local high school with with my colleague and a high school football team that he's taking the lead with that I've just been kind of helping. And the first day, I was I was at the back of the the kind of circle, and these two kids at the back turn around and they're like, "Are are you Coach Big Toe?" I'm like, uh, yeah. They're like, "Oh, you're on my for you page." <laughs> oh my god! Like, I'm literally everywhere. You can't escape me. But yeah, so I'm I'm glad that I I piqued your interest with, with some of my stories. Definitely. Um, if if the listener has any kind of follow up questions, I've probably made a podcast episode or a YouTube video or something like that. Um, but if there's something that that I haven't, I'd be happy to kind of elaborate further. This was great. I I, I appreciate the initial questions, but also the the, the follow up questions, and for putting this podcast together. You know, although we each kind of have our own journeys and paths there's always more similarities than dissimilarities. So um, hopefully I was able to provide some value to you and, uh, and also the listener. Thank you so much to Coach Big Toe for sharing your story with us. I just wanted to <clears throat> say that it's been a long time since I've uh, put out an episode. Ever since I've moved from one state to another, I've had some issues with recording the audio and trying to get a new setup. For the longest time, I was quite embarrassed with the audio quality that I was putting out. So that is why I took a break and then I got sick. I'm still getting over it. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but my voice is really raspy. I'm having a hard time breathing. I have asthma, so that also plays a big factor sometimes into recording a podcast. I can sound very breathy at times. So I've just been trying to recover and I finally feel I'm at a place right now where I can get back into it. So I do appreciate everyone's patience in the long gap that I took off to trying to make this podcast sound better and to get better for myself as well. I want to give a shout out to Kevin MacLeod for making the intro music that I use and also the outro music is the same song, but I just want to thank him for making his stuff free to use for indie podcasters like myself. And with the normal thing that I'm doing now, I'm not going to go ahead and review the school like I have done in the past. I'm still going to continue not doing that. Um, But I thought that the (laughs) censorship that I did for the school when I talked about where I work now, it was really funny. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Um, I love my new job. I love the people that I work with and being on a campus again is really exciting. I get to deal with students and as someone who was recently a student myself, I feel like I can really connect with them. So I'm in a happy place in my life right now and I'm getting into the swing and the group of things in a new state and I just hope that whoever's listening to this that you are making those moves, making those small steps to getting to where you want to be next. If you're in a spot where you are unhappy or maybe not fully fulfilled, it doesn't have to be happiness, but maybe there's a hobby that you want to try. Maybe there's something that you want to get into that you never felt like you had the time to do and now you're trying to find ways to set aside time to get that done. I think it's really important to try new things, to constantly learn, to be creative. So whoever is listening, wherever you are, I hope you're doing well and thank you so much for listening to another episode.